I had a different message. I'm starting a series that I was going to start this week, but I heard the Lord say in prayer this morning, I heard him say, you can start that next Sunday. He said, I want you to tell the people something that's important today. I said, okay, Lord, whatever you're the boss, whatever you say. And so he first led me to Hebrews 13. If you turn there, please with me. Hebrews chapter 13, verse seven. Come on now. If you got your Bibles, open them, open up your phones. Most of you have it on your phone. I'm calling this the blessings of Hebron. And like I said, this is a standalone message. I was going to uh, do something different, but I heard the Lord say, I want you to talk to them about this. And I, made, I made that title, but, but he's given me the message. Okay. The blessings of Hebron. We're in Hebron. In case you don't know, we're in Hebron. In case you don't realize that the Lord said to me, I didn't make that up, but he said, it will be like David and the sections of time will be a parallel. And he said that back in 2017 on January the 17th. And that was right after we had done our 25-year anniversary. And he said to me, now, these next few years, and he told me, you know, there was, a, there was a, a Bethel year, and then there was a, you know, a Jericho year, and then there was a Jordan year, and then there was a getting the mantle in 2020. And, and he said, now, leading up to this mantle year, which is 2020, he said, really, when you enter that, that season of the mantle, you're entering your Hebron years. But he said in the prior, everything beginning of the church till present, and he said that in January of of 2017, he said, you're in the Ziglag years. So the season when we started in my home was the Ziglag years with six people. Then we grew until I couldn't see them all because my living room couldn't fit them. Then we moved into the Morris basement and and we were there for 15 months and we grew to 80 something people all sharing the same bathroom. It was great. And they were very kind to us. And then we found this building after a long, hard search. We found this building and we had half the building for the first year and then the whole building. And we've spent over a million dollars renovating this building over the years. And, uh, and, and so all of, those, all of that was still the zigzag season. And all of those years from the time we started the church in 2008 until 2020 which is when we entered into a new season. Really, it ended in 2019. So from 2008 to 2019, those were the Ziglag years because in David's life, the Ziglag years is before he really came into what he was born for. He was still serving. He was still running. He was still hiding. There was a lot of persecution and all of that matched our experience. But he had to be faithful and we had to be faithful. Then he said in 2020, you're coming into your Hebron years. And he said, now they're going to go from 2020 to the summer of 2027. And he said, so these years that you're going to be a little less than what the Ziglag years were, but he said, these years, uh, I'm going to start to bless you. You're going to start to come into what you were called and born to do in a fuller sense. That mantle, that anointing, that special anointing for, for, for the long-term ministry, the future of your ministry that came in 2020, that, was the, that pushed us into the Hebron years. He said, that's going to start growing year after year. You're not going to see it all at once. We're only 2022. You're going to see that mantle operating stronger as the years pass, not weaker. Because it doesn't always come and the mantle came, but the manifestation of it, our skillfulness in cooperating with it takes time to learn and takes a crucified lifestyle. Because that mantle can't operate through flesh the same way it can operate through, 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 through right living. Do you understand? And we're all on that journey. But, he, but we're in the Hebron years, my brother and sister. And that's why we say uh, we're believing God for runners in Hebron. 
That's why we talk about that. Because in March of 2020, just before COVID hit, in fact, the week before, uh, the week before and after Randy came, and he came just before COVID hit, the Lord started, which was right at the beginning of 2020, he, we started talking about running in Hebron. And he gave me that phrase, I'm looking for runners in Hebron, not walkers, not sitters, not sleepers, not nappers, not joggers, runners in Hebron. Because in this seven years, there is a, there's something for us to accomplish. And, and, and sometime in 27 in the spirit, it's going to switch over. And he said, now the greatest years of David weren't the Hebron years. They were the Jerusalem years. And he said, the greatest years of your life, the greatest years of your church is going to be what happens 2027 and onward, because that's when you're going to start to see the move of God like you've never seen it. And it's going to, I don't know when Jesus is coming, but it's going to usher in. Those Hebron, we're never, those, those Jerusalem years, we're going to be raptured at the culmination of the Jerusalem years. I don't know how long they're going to last for, but I know how long Hebron lasts for. And so you have to understand that's the season that we're in. Then he said to me, look at Hebrews 13 verse 7 this morning. So I opened my Bible as you are doing right now. And it says in Hebrews 13, 7, remember them that have rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith Follow, considering the end of their conversation, the Greek word means of their behavior. More than conversation, it means behavior. Now, I'd like to read that to you, if you wouldn't mind, please, from the Amplified Classic Version. What did we say? Where did we say that was, Lorraine? Hebrews verse chapter 13 and verse 7. Now, the Amplified Classic Translation says this. Remember your leaders and superiors in authority. For it was they who brought to you the word of God. Yes. Observe attentively and consider their manner of living, yes. the outcome of their well-spent lives, and imitate their faith, their conviction that God exists and is the creator and ruler of all things, the provider and bestower of eternal salvation through Christ, and their leaning of the entire human personality on God in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. Amen. Wow, that's amplified. really likes to amplify it, doesn't it? I mean, that, that, that's a whole mouthful there. Uh, I'd like to read you uh, also, if you don't mind, the Passion. I'm just finding it here. The Passion translation of verse 9. Of ver- what did I say? Hebrews? 13, right? 13 verse 7. Don't forget the example of your spiritual leaders who have spoken God's messages to you. Take a close look at how their lives end and follow their walk of faith. You know what the Bible means, Pastor Happy? People are allowed to take a close look at me. There has to be a transparency. They're allowed to have a look at my marriage, at my children. They're allowed to have a look at my, at how, if I, if I'm broke all the time, if I'm sick all the time, if I'm annoyed all the time, other than with Greg and Taylor, but other than that, if I'm, if I'm annoyed all the time, if I, if I'm abusive, believe me, I know pastors that are abusive. I don't mean the beating their wives. I mean beating the sheep. Oh yeah. Cause they're frustrated. <laughs> they take their anger out in their sermons. And that's not the, that's not the that platform to taking the ender out. That's the platform to teach and preach. But, but it says, now what, you have a right to watch closely and, and now observe my walk of faith. Observe what happens. Listen, God is very practical. He's like, if they don't have the proof in the pudding, don't listen to him. But if what you see is working, 
if what you see is working, and of course it's got to bear witness with your spirit and it's got to be scriptural, then follow that, follow that. Follow and submit to that. In other words, watch. If it works, now use it. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Now you can take that too far in a critical way where now you're judgmental and critical about things. That's not what the spirit of this verse is. What it's trying to say is, you know, if your pastor is preaching prosperity, but he can't, he, he can't, he, he's broke. Well, something's off. That could just be an attack of the enemy. So stay with him a little while, but let's make sure the message works. If he's preaching holiness, he should be living holy, right? I'm not perfect, but I am living a holy life. You can ask my wife. She sees me all the time. She would know. And she knows that I'm, I'm not, I, I'm a clean man. I am. I have my idiosyncrasies. I have my failures, but so do you. So before you get all high on the hog, you better look at your own backyard before you start studying mine. But you do scripturally have a right to look at my backyard. Do you understand? It didn't say you can do that with the prophet. It didn't say you can do that with the apostle. It didn't say you can do that with the traveling evangelist. It says you can do that with those that have rule over you. The only one that has rule over you scripturally is the pastor's office because they see you and you submit to that office and that office is there to love you and teach you all the time. So you do have a right to, to, in, to look and, and to say, uh, is, 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 is what he's saying working? And I'm telling you what I'm saying is working. And I want to give you some examples today because I was going to start a series. And he said, no, I want you to talk about what, what's just happened, son. I said, talk about what's just happened. You want me to the whole service? Talk about it. And then he added some meat on the bones for me. And he said, yes, but then give that example, give this example. And before I knew it, it was a, it was a whole message. And then I'm going to start that series next because that series you need to hear. But you also need to hear this. And so he said now, he said, son, he gave me this verse and he said, now tell the people to watch your example. It's scriptural to watch the example of the pastor. Because they can learn by precept and example. Precept is, this is what you do. Bang, 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 bang. Example is, watch how I do it. Watch the example. And now try to imitate that in your own life based on your measure. Because your measure is a little bit different. But the principle remains the same. And so I said, okay, Lord, I'll give them that verse. And then I want you to also turn, please, with me, if you wouldn't mind, to the book of 1 Corinthians. Those are our only two references today. On Wednesday, we had a lot of scripture, but that was a certain flow of teaching. This is a different flow. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and, this, and these are the only two passages we're going to read, and then I'm going to talk to you about something that happened, and I'm going to try to help you with Amen. it. Praise God. But as it is written, eye is not seen nor ear heard. This is quoting from the Old Testament. Neither is it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. <laughs> He's prepared something for you because he loves you. Oh, he loves me. But God has revealed them to us by his spirit. Now, religious people stop after verse 9 and go, oh, yes. God is mysterious. You, who can know the ways of the sovereign high God? Well, well, don't be so weird. Just read the next verse. God has revealed these highways to us by the Holy Ghost. In other words, he doesn't want you to be in the dark about the things he's prepared for you because he loves you. What's the point of him preparing them and you never knowing about them? It would have wasted his time preparing it. Right? Your wife makes a lovely meal for you, but you don't show up because you're working late. What was the point of all her effort if you didn't show up to enjoy it? He's taken time to prepare it. I've got to know or I'm not going to get it. So don't be all weird and superstitious and mysterious. Religion is mysterious. The people that know God are never mysterious. 
I don't go, ooh, I don't understand. Yes, I do understand. I've got the Holy Ghost. I have a right to understand. Are you with me? I'm serious because there's a lot of false teaching out there about you, don't, you can't know what God's about to do and you can't know this. There's some things we're not going to know. But, but about my personal life, I have a right to know. About this church, I have a right to know. I maybe don't understand everything about new, you know, you know, end time eschatology. I mean, we know a lot of stuff from the Bible. I don't know everything and neither do you and neither should we. I don't know everything about Donald Trump or about Justin Trudeau or about this leader or that leader or what's going to happen. I don't know all those things and neither do you. But I should know what's going on in my life. Otherwise, how am I going to be able to access what he prepared for me? Because he loves me. He loves me, Greg, so much that he's prepared something for me. But I've got to know it. Which things he has revealed unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man, now he's pushing pause. Verse 11 is just a push pause. He's explaining the end of verse 10 and verse 11. For what man knows the things of man, he said the spirit of man, even though the things of God knows no man but the spirit of God. Now unpause it. So let's just end with verse 10 and jump to verse 12. Okay, the spirit knows all things. He searches the deep things of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we may know. That we may know, amen. The things not hidden, Freely given to us. The Father is free in his giving. I want you, Taylor, to have this. And I want you to know that I've prepared it for you. Because if you don't know, you can't take it by faith. So I freely give it and I freely give you the knowledge of it by the Spirit. In other words, the way this is worded in English and in Greek, it means it's not hard. The way this is worded is, this is easy. Amen. This is simple. I love you, and I got some good stuff for you. Like a father would have good stuff for his son. Okay? Now, I want to tell you what I got. And I'm not holding it back from you. Because you've got my spirit who already knows it because it searched the insides of me. And my spirit's going to show you it, and I've got it free. It's all free. I just I want to give it to you. I want you to know it. I don't want it to be hard for you to access it. I just want this to be an easy flow. Amen. Do you see the heart of God through the scripture? Yes. Freely given to us. Now watch verse 13. Here's the kicker. You all shout, glory. But if you don't know verse 13, you'll never access it. Verse 13 is the key to access this great promise. Which things? Which what things? The things he prepared because he loved us. The things he's in the process of revealing to us by the Spirit. Those things we speak. But not in words which man's wisdom teaches. In other words, not words that you understand with your mental arena. Yeah. Well, hold on a second. How can I speak it if I can't process it in my brain? If I can't process it up here, then I don't really know what you prepared for me. The Holy Ghost hasn't really revealed it to me in a way for me to be able to lay hold of it because I've got to understand it in my mental faculty. But he's saying you don't speak with mental faculty. You don't speak at the beginning. You will eventually. But at the, the, the process, the order, the divine order is I've provided it. I'm going to reveal it to you. It's easy and it's free. But you've got to speak that, not with your mind. How do I speak it without my mind being involved? I've got to understand it. I've got to know what you're talking about. No, you don't. You know what I've just done? I've just prayed out according to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 4, I've prayed out mysteries. Things that my mind does not know. 
but that comes up from my spirit because it's in touch with the, my, whole, my spirit is in touch with the Holy Spirit inside of me who has searched out God, who knows exactly what God has prepared for me because he loves me, and the Holy Ghost trying to get that over to me freely. But I, if he's going to show my brain, I have to first speak it in the spirit. That's why he says, I want you to speak these things that I've prepared for you, but not with your brain involved because you don't know it yet. But speak it in the Holy Ghost. Do you understand how important tongues is for you? If you don't pray in the Holy Ghost, you will never, I guarantee, I don't care how much faith you have, you will never enter in. Why? Because it don't matter in some ways how much faith you have if you don't know what to lay hold of. You've got all this muscle of faith, but you've got nothing to grab. The Spirit's guidance shows you what God has for you to lay hold of. Now, you can't just know. That's why I say to you, I've been saying it a lot lately. If there's, you have two hands and you do everything with these two hands. And in the realm of the Spirit, every time I'm around, great men of God, great women of God, there's a lot of things that are said, but the majority, not everything, but most of what is said can be fit into two boxes. It's either about faith and dominion and what you have and who you have and how to access it, or it's about the leading of the Spirit, the flow of the Holy Ghost, the anointing, and, and, and how God operates. Amen. If you can just remember those two things, yes. and that's why I say because you can know faith and how to believe for things, but if you don't have the guidance of the Spirit, if He hasn't revealed to you what God has prepared, how do you reach out the hand of faith and lay hold of something that you don't even know about? But if you have the leading of the Spirit and you know what God has for you, but you don't understand faith, you just look at it and go, isn't that nice? And it will pass right on by you. That's true. That's true. Isn't that great, Lord? Thank you. And it will never manifest. Because without the hand of faith, the hand of faith reaches into the realm of the Spirit and it pulls it into this realm. You've got to understand faith or it will never manifest to you. But you've got to understand the realm of the Spirit or you won't know what's in that realm. The Holy Ghost shows you what's in that realm. Faith brings it into this realm. Are you listening? I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. If you don't start saying amen, I'm going to stop and take an offering right now. You're all going to give. Now, that shouldn't scare people, Greg, but it does. I can see the sweat drops on their, on their forehead. The Holy Ghost shows you what's in that realm that is prepared. Faith reaches into that realm, lays hold, and pulls it into your existence in this realm. You can't do it without the Holy Ghost, and you can't do it without faith. You need both. They're different operations. Now, he's saying, I'm going to reveal these things to you, verse 13, not with what your brain understands. That's my translation of that phrase. Not with what your mind can figure out, but which the Holy Ghost, words which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual, what's spiritual with spiritual, comparing what is in that realm that I've prepared, and you're going to now say it with spiritual words that your brain doesn't understand, which is why praying in the Holy Ghost is so important. Uh, brother, for your businesses, for what God's about to do for you, you've got to pray, 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 pray. And then when you're done, pray it again. Because the more you pray in the Spirit, the more the Holy Ghost can start to show you what he found in the Father for you. Now you say, oh, he's got that for me. Really? Are you sure, Lord? Yeah, I got that for you. I don't deserve that. I still got it for you. Now I need faith. I reach out the hand of faith and I pull it toward me. But if I don't even know it, how am I going to reach out the hand of faith? 
So praying in the Holy Ghost, that's why Paul said, I pray that you would pray in tongues all the time. And he said, in fact, I pray more than all of you. So Paul, by example, is saying, you see how blessed I am? You see how God's moving in my life? Uh, One of the keys is I pray more than you in tongues. He's not trying to mock or be narcissistic or or, or put them down. He's trying to say, I'm giving you a key. I pray a lot. And that's why things work for me. You need to pray more and things will work for you. Because God's not just going to do it for an office and not for a believer. He loves us all the same. He loves, I know believers that pray more than pastors. Their life is going faster than the pastor's life. It's not about an office right now. It's about your ability to find what God has for you. Are you with me still? So this should make tongues a joy to you. And if there's not a nice flow there or you don't like the sound of your tongues, I, I don't have scripture for this, but I just give you my opinion. Just ask God to fix it. Because yeah. somebody came up to me a little while ago and said, I hate the sound of my tongues. That's why I don't pray. That's what the man said to me. And I said, well, then talk to God because the devil wants you not to pray. And he'll put these weird thoughts in your mind that you're, that you're different or you're a, you're a leper or something's weird about your prayer language. Talk to God. He can change the sound of it if you, if you need him to. I don't, I don't have scripture for that. I'm just saying, don't make some excuse why you're not praying. I'm busy. I'm busier. I'm much busier than you. You don't believe me? Talk to my secretaries. Yes. I have two of them now because I can't keep up. One can't keep up with everything. I'm busier than all of you. I'm, I am. I'm serious. And I pray all the time. Don't make the excuse. Your attitude should not be trying to find an excuse why you can't do something. Your attitude should be, I make the correction, I repent, Lord, I humble myself, and I'm going to pray more. Now, for some of you, praying more is five minutes to ten minutes. For others of you, praying more is one hour to two hours. Everybody's different, but you need to pray more. Listen, I'm trying to help you. If you don't pray, the Holy Ghost can't get over to you what he's got planned. And if you don't know what he's got planned, which you start with in tongues, and then your mind catches up, the mystery It's no longer a mystery because he starts to reveal to you what it is you've been praying. But see, there's a process. You have to speak before your brain will catch up. You have to speak it out in the spirit before your mind will catch up. That's God's system. I didn't make it up. It's God's system. Sometimes he bypasses it and he'll just talk to you. But I'm talking about general living. I'm not talking about exceptions. In the general living, you've got to have a lifestyle of praying in the Holy Ghost. Because then you have, you have constant access for him to in, give you information that he has found in the Father for you. Okay? You still with me? All right. Now, let me, uh, so you see that scripture there. We've got to pray these things out. It is very important. So I'm going to take you, tell you a little testimony. Is it testimony time? Now, in the old time, Dad Hagen said, I'd say testimony time in the 12 years he passed. And then uh, uh, the Pentecostal sister with the beehive hairdo. Right. You know, it sways like the leading tower of Pisa, you know, when she worships. <laughs> and she'd come up, she'd get the devil's after me, Pastor. Oh, the devil's got me on the run. And everything is about the devil. So then, of course, the congregation is not exactly exhorted by that. Sit down, sister hair beehive. Yeah. We don't want to hear about the devil. We want to hear about what God's doing. He said one time, the lady was so into the testimony, she said, the devil's doing this, the devil's doing that. The devil's got me on the wrong. Bless his holy name. (laughs) Brother Hagin said, bless his holy name? You talking about the devil? You talking about God? I'm talking about the devil. He don't have no holy name. You see, people can get so worked up about the negative in their life, but I want to get worked up about the positive. There's always negative, but that's not what's going to help you telling you about the negative. I want to tell you about what God's doing. 
I want to, I want to show you by my, by my behavior, by my conduct, by my lifestyle, this works. I'm going to give you one small example today because it's fresh. And I think you need to hear it. So have a look, please, at, uh, I've got, got some pictures for you. And have a look, if you don't mind, at the first picture there that's on my list, Peter. Okay, now that's our little baby. Next one. Yeah, that's our little baby. That is 1966 Cessna Skyhawk 172. It's the smallest engine ever put in a, in a plane in history. <laughs> 140 horsepower. Most of your cars have a faster engine than that. And uh, praise God. And next one, just a couple pictures so you can see. Now, we, next one, I think there was only four, right? Okay, that's a nice one. And so the man is a trainer. He works for United Airlines. He's a, a big Boeing 747 pilot. He had that little thing, and he would train people on the weekends. COVID hit, they laid him off. He got nervous. He's not a believer. Yeah. So he got scared. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yeah. go under. I'm going to sell my assets. Yeah, right. so, so, so Randy heard of a guy, heard of a guy, heard of a guy, you know, kind of thing. And the guy, this is great, this great little plane. And so he says, well, I'm going to say he's 40% discount. So we got it real cheap, 40% of its value. Then, uh, so we picked that up in 2019, 2020. Just after COVID started, we picked that up in the summer. And so I hadn't, didn't flow, fly it because I'm trying to help you because there's timings. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. There's timings. So 2020 wasn't the time. And then uh, 2021, we picked it up because God wanted to save us money. It doesn't mean that God can't afford that. He can afford anything. But that was just the right plane for us. So it didn't matter to God that it was a little early. That was the timing. So I didn't fly for 2020. We didn't fly 2021. But then the Lord said to me, notice how I started talking to you about aviation 2018. I said, yes. And he said, uh, and that was actually a Jericho year on the way in to get the mantle. And he said, now there's been four years that have passed. Those were preparation years. I had to, you had to get the faith for the hangar. You had to get the faith for the first plane. You had to get the course. He had to get an agreement with my plan because I've been fighting him on this for a while. It took me four years. Then he said in 2022, which is your Jericho year on the way out. He said, now what in the first four was prepped, now the second four is, is, uh, is, is to actually do it. Yeah. Phase one, that means there's more than one phase. Yeah. So he said, now this is the year to start flying that. So there was no release in me last year to do it. So they would say, well, aren't you going to come fly the plane? And I check myself. You've got to learn to check your spirit. Yeah. Because I pray in the Holy Ghost all the time, so I have a right to know. And the Holy Ghost is just like a hand there. No. No, because with God, there's certain timings. You've got to get those timings. Otherwise, you can get killed. You can open a door. See, now, if I'd gone, I'm not saying I would have got killed. I'm saying if I do things out of the timing, I'm out of his perfect path. I'm out of his perfect will. Now, his hand can't operate the same. His protection can't operate the same. His blessing can't operate the same as if I'm on that perfect path. So he takes that off, and then I get in a little bit of trouble. So that's why I've learned to follow the timings. Don't matter that it sits there. That's okay that it sits there. Wait for the timings. So then we started flying that this year. And so just last week, the Lord, I, w- I was not feeling well last week. And because uh, I'd overworked. I was, I was working till four in the morning for two weeks. And I was getting four hours of sleep a night. And that's stupid, which I know it's stupid, but I just had a lot to do. And, and, and I pushed my body too hard. And I put my immune system too low. See, if you don't follow natural law, you can claim all you want, but you'll still get sick. And so I got sick and I said, Lord, what's going on? He said, well, you didn't treat your body right. If you don't treat your body right, I can't help you. It's supernatural mixed with natural. So I got sick and I was supposed to go to Blowing Rock because Randy was there this last week. That's where Taylor was and that's why we didn't have him. We had wonderful Jasmine, but we, we know he was down there leading the worship, blessing those wonderful children. 
those teenagers. And so I, I thought, well, I have to be here for Wednesday night, but maybe I'll go Monday and go Monday night service, Tuesday morning, Tuesday night, and then we'll fly home Wednesday morning just to support Randy because I want to bring a supply. But I was feeling so sick. I didn't even come to church last Sunday night. I was that sick. I was in bed. And I had to drive three hours to Jamestown that night to leave the next morning to go to North Carolina. And I said, no, I can't do it, Lord. I said, Lord, I need to, and I said, I'm trying to help you to be led. You see, I wasn't led and not sleeping, which is why I got sick. But now I'm sick. Now the conventional wisdom says rest. But the Holy Ghost said, get up and drive. And I said, but Lord, I need to rest. You see, you can't, you can't, you can't go with this. Because this said, logic says rest. But the Spirit said drive. I know his voice. So I pulled myself out of that bed and I, and I got in that car and I drove through the night and got there at 1 30 in the morning and we're leaving the next morning to go down to Randy. And I don't know why, but I know, I just figured, well, you just want me to honor Randy and bring a supply, whatever little supply I have. I just need to be there. So I'm going to obey you. No matter how I feel, I'm going to obey you. But you see, I know the Holy Ghost is in that. So we're flying. I think you have a, a picture of us entering. Go ahead. Next one of us. There's North Carolina. I didn't know you thought I was maybe in Florida on the beach. So I had took a picture so that you knew I was in North Carolina. And then you see that's my instructor behind me there uh, with our little plane. And we had just flown. Now that plane goes real slow. It doesn't go very high. And it's a little bit uh, nerve wracking to take off because he said, are you sure you're at full power? I said, I'm at full power. He said, are you sure? Why aren't we climbing? I said, I don't know. You're the instructor. Tell me why we're not climbing. Because it's just so, so weak. The engine is just so, such a baby plane. And he said, you know, we have to make sure there's no trees or anything in front of us because we'll hit the tree. You can't fly in mountains. You hit the mountain. Like it takes ages to climb to 7,000. Randy's plane, two minutes. You're at 7,000. Less than two minutes. You're at 7,000 feet. His is like 25 minutes. We're barely getting 7,000 feet. So, but anyway, it's a blessing because God authored it. Is there a little video that you're playing? Play that for me. You can't really hear anything because it's so noisy, but I just wanted you to, now that's at 7,000 feet, 8,000 feet, excuse me. That's about as high as it goes. And those are the mountains of West Virginia beneath us. Help us, Jesus. And those are the clouds we were trying not to go through. Okay, it's over now in a second. So then he kept looking down. Uh, he kept looking down out of the window, and I said, what are you looking at? He goes, well, I'm just, in case the, the engine fails, I want to know where we're going to land. And I said, what do you mean? What do you mean? He said, I didn't want to tell you that, but he said, this is a real old plane. We only have one engine. And he said, uh, if it fails, I just, because we're, we're it's supposed to up there 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, come down. We're up there three and a half hours. And everything's getting hot. You know, the cylinders are hot. Everything's hot. You blow something, you burn something, you're going down. And I said, well, do you see somewhere? He goes, no, it's kind of concerning. There's no, we're in the mountain. We're in the jungles. The jungles, the forests. Of West, there's no roads. So I start looking. Oh, God. Oh, God. Because if you go down gliding and you can't find a road or a field, you're going to hit a tree. They're going to ruin your day and your hairdo. So just want you to know that, that, that it's an adventure. It's an adventure. So we're there. And uh, Randy says to me at the dinner on, on Monday evening, I'm still getting over this cold and, and, uh, and I'm just bringing this away. And yes, he said, you know, he just mentioned it in passing. He wasn't even going to say it. He told me later, I wasn't even going to tell you. But he just told me, he said, you know, we put so much money in that plane of mine. So much money. He said, but I was going to keep that till the rapture because I'm upgrading. He's getting a bigger plane. He said, I want both planes. But he said, the Lord spoke to me two weeks ago. 
and said, you're not going to fly the little plane when you get the big plane. And it's going to be sit there unused. He said, I want you to bless somebody with it. I want you to sell the plane. And then he said, and don't sell it at a profit. That plane's worth quite a bit because he's put tons of work into it. He said, don't sell it at a profit. Find the fair market value and sell it at that. So Randy said, really? Don't you want me to? He said, no, I'm bringing somebody to you. So he's telling me that at the table, no thought in the world of who that is. And I heard, see, because I pray in tongues. Because I pray in tongues, he can reveal to me what the Father's prepared for me. If I don't pray in tongues, I don't know. I'm not thinking of buying another plane. I'm flying that little nasty thing for four years until we upgrade. I already presented the budget to the board. Four years until 2026, we're flying that little thing until I can get up to the next level. It's a big step, but we're doing it. And I'm sitting there, and I heard the Holy Ghost, as loud as I'm talking to you, offer to buy his plane. Offer to buy his plane. I don't even want his plane. I've got a plane. Look at that plane. It's hideous, but I've got a plane. And I'm flying that piece of junk for the next four years until I can get the real plane. But I heard him say, offer to buy his plane. So I said, I've learned to obey God quickly. So I said, Randy, I know this don't make no sense. I said, don't even make any sense to me. I said, it won't make no sense to you either. But can I buy your plane? And he stopped and he looked at me and he goes, you buy my plane? He, I, he said, but I said, yes, I've already got a plane. I hate the plane I have, but I love the plane I have because God gave it to me. But it's really a piece of junk. But I said, God told me to buy your plane. And he goes, well, I hope you didn't think I said it to manipulate you. I said, I know you didn't. And I hope you don't take my offer as though now you have to do some good deal for me. Because our relationship is higher than money. And he goes, well, maybe that's why God told me to sell it and don't take a profit. And then he stopped and he paused and he goes, well, I guess if anybody's going to be blessed by my plane, I'd like it to be you. So then he starts listening to me, everything he's done on that plane. He says, you know that Keith Moore just came a month ago and sold $25,000 to buy a brand new propeller for that plane that I've just put on it? It's brand new. He said, I just replaced the engine less than a year ago. It's, it's still on a two-year warranty. Brand new engine. He said, I just replaced the tires. I had just done 13000 last week on a new paint job. And he starts listing me. And then as he's going through the list, he pauses and he goes, you know what? Come to think of it, when I bought that plane from the factory in 2005, every bolt, screw, nut, wire, every component, every single, think of how many components are in a plane. Everything, even the engine mounts. He said, I have replaced, modernized, and got new. He said, there's not one thing on that plane from the original factory except the original metal of the fuselage. He said, everything I have upgraded, modernized, and made new. He said, do you realize? He said, you don't understand what I'm saying to you because you don't know much about planes. He said, you're getting a 2022 plane with a 2005 fuselage. And he said, I could, I could sell this plane for a lot of money because it's worth a lot of money. All the avionic upgrades, everything. And, uh, and he said, but that's why, because God had it for you. Praise God. So we, we talked it out a little bit. And that was Monday after Monday night. By Friday, the deal was done less than five days later. Yeah. Our board had approved it. I rearranged some. I'm not taking offerings. So no, I can see some of you squirming. <laughs> the Lord told me, I want your focus to be the glory center. Amen. So don't take offerings with us. I'm not taking offerings. He said, but some I'm going to touch their hearts to give. So if God touches your heart, do what you want. But I'm not taking no offerings for this. He said, I just want you to work with the travel budget that you have. Just to, and we don't take much, we don't actually take anything from our regular budget, just the travel budget that you have. He said, I want you to rearrange it. 
I want you to, I'm going to show you how to rearrange it, and it's going to give you some extra money. And the partners, the FMI Gold partners are a big part of this. Because he said, with your partners and with the travel budget, rearrange it. He said, I'm going to show you how to do this. And so he did. I, I, did, I reworked it, and he showed me how we, can, how we can pay this off in less than four years, this new plane, cash, Pay off, we have to borrow it a little bit right now, but pay, pay it off, completely owner, owned it. No mortgage, nothing in less than four years. And, uh, and then when we sell that next plane, it will be the down payment on the bigger plane. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to take you on a little journey here. It's not about aviation, it's about the principle that it, that it relates to. Are you with me? So I, I, I'm, I'm sitting there and uh, <laughs> I'm sitting there. I can't remember what else. Oh, yes. Uh, show that little video, just that short video, so you can see what the new plane looks like. This is the video I, I showed you last year. And, and I'm talking about his plane and, and I, you know, just, it's never even entered my mind that that's our plane. But this is the video that we... This is what we paid for cash. There's 172 Skyhawk 2, and I'll be starting my training next month in Jamestown, New York, with the instructor and from Pastor Tim Stallman's church, and we're so excited. And we thank Brother Randy for his tremendous generosity to us. And it's beautiful. And Jenny, just show, this is what we're going to hopefully eventually get in the future once I've got some hours under my belt. And this is a beautiful series. You've seen Gorgeous. the picture of it, mm. but you've never actually seen it in, in person. And uh, this is the Rolls Royce. Uh, this is the Volkswagen over here. <laughs> and this is the Rolls Royce over here. <laughs> anyway, I love you guys. Thank you for supporting the vision of our newly developed aviation department. We love you. So he sent me this picture yesterday because I said I want to show the congregation. So, so that, that, that's that plane. It's worth uh, quite a bit of money and we're paying almost half of what he could sell it for. And he's sowing that as a seed into our ministry. And the next one that I said, he was flying this morning somewhere to preach. And, and while he's flying, that's his knees there. While he's flying, he said, I'll just take a picture of a cock, but you show the congregation. He said, don't make me come up there and scatter parts. He said, somebody got to sew into this plane. Anyway, uh, so, so you see, if you look at our cockpit, all we have is analog dials. All of it, most of it is digital. I don't understand any of it, but I'm going to learn. <laughs> Praise God. And, and, and then just that last picture, just so you can see it, because it's what I put up on my vision board there. Uh, but but when, when I saw that plane there in that hangar, I thought, there's, there's no way we're ever going to have something like this nice, at least not for a while. And then the Lord started dealing with us about the next plane. But what I'm trying to say to you very simply is this. There is a process with God. There's a process. Now, this morning in prayer, he said these words to me. Uh, can I give you this quote? I'm praying this morning. I'm planning on doing a totally different sermon at that moment. And I heard him say these words. Jenny, I haven't had a chance to tell you this yet. But I heard him say the 172, which is the little red one, the one we have now. He said, that was your zigzag plane. Just out of the blue. Hmm. And he said, but you've just entered into your Hebron plane. Because we only signed the deal less than two days ago for that one. He said, uh, even though you're in Hebron, you acquired... The, the, this whole thing with aviation, really it happened, yes, in the transition year, but the aviation department, the hangar and all that stuff, it started in Ziglag. And he said, now that was your, the one was your first plane. He said, that was your Ziglag plane, but this is your Hebron plane. I didn't know until this morning that God even had a Hebron plane. I didn't know that it applied. I thought other things apply, but buildings and different, I didn't know that those things applied. I'm trying to help you to stay with me because I'm getting to a point. But he said to me, I'm trying to help you. There's things, listen, there's things that you don't know. He said to me, there's things that you don't even know about that I've got for you. 
Uh, and he said, now part of it is, part of it for right now, this most fresh example in my mind is you've been, you've got your zigzag, but you thought that was your Hebron plane, but it wasn't. He said, it wasn't your, your Hebron plane. He said, but I, I've got a Hebron plane, which is this one. And then I've got a Jerusalem plane for you. Because the path of the righteous keeps growing brighter. And then he said this statement to me, and this, I, I can't tell you what this meant to me. He said this to me. He said, because of who I've made you, you have a right to something better. You know why I was willing to keep that little junk heap, even though it's, it's a blessing, but it's a junk heap. It's older than I am, for goodness sakes. And when the instructor is looking for a place to land in case the engine fails, that's not exactly a good feeling every time you fly it. Do you understand what I'm saying? But I'll be honest with you. I'm going to be very practical with you. I'm being very honest with you. I did not think I deserved anything better. Do you know why? Because I'm new at this. I'm not new at preaching, but I'm new at aviation. People got to pay their dues. I'm very much into a people got to pay their dues kind of person because I've paid my dues and more. And I felt, Lord, I don't deserve anything better than this. He said to me, because of who I've made you. Congregation, God's made you. Probably, probably higher than what you even see yourself as. You have a right. That's what he said. Because of who I've made you. You have a right to something better. But listen, here's the problem, Jenny. We don't think we deserve something better half the time. I know I didn't. Which is why this thing shocked me, Dwayne, so much. So then this morning, he's, after those two things, I was, then he said, I want you to preach. I knew what I was preaching on, and I was getting dressed. And he said, so that's, why I was, that's why I came in so late on the worship. Because he said, stop, I want to talk to you. I said, Lord, uh, uh, service starts at 10. <laughs> like he doesn't know that. He said, when I tell you to stop, you stop. So I stopped. That's why I showed up late, because he was talking to me at, at the house. And he wouldn't let me leave till he talked to me. He don't care that, 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 that I come late. What he cares is that he talks on his time, yes. not my time. Yes. So I sat there and he said, and I recorded what he said. And I'm going to read it to you. It's only one paragraph, but this, 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 this is very powerful. I want you to really open up your heart to listen to this. Are you listening? Yes, he said, there is more for my people in these Hebron years. But many are not walking in what I have planned for them. Either, now he's, given, he, he's about to give four reasons, so pay attention. Either because they don't see themselves as worthy of it, as you did, or because they won't pray it out in the Holy Ghost and they don't even know it exists, or they won't release their faith, listen now, or they won't sow what I tell them to sow because that seed opens the gate to their harvest. Or son, it's a combination of all these four. But... Whether they're walking in it or not, I have provided more for my people in this Hebron season than they realize. And the angels are poised to bring it into manifestation if they will only walk in the path that I have set before them. So encourage them this morning, correct them, teach them that they may walk in all that I have for them in this season of Hebron. And that's what he said to me. He said, I was late because he had me sit till I heard that and I wrote it out. Listen to me. I want you to pay attention. I want you to really listen for a second. I know we're almost done. I want you to listen. Don't let the time rob you of your attention. He said to me, there's more that I have for me as well as for you. But because of a combination of these things or one of these things, 
What was the first thing? They don't think they're worthy of it. Number two, they don't know about it because they won't pray in the Holy Ghost. Number three, if they know about it, they won't reach out the hand of faith and claim it and take it and fight the good fight of faith, even when it looks impossible. And number four, what was number four? They won't sow. Four things. So he said to me this morning, four things. I'm guilty of the first thing. Because I'll be perfectly honest with you. I'm applying that plane, and I just, I was just so grateful to be in a plane. I was so grateful that I didn't have to go through the hell that, that you went through with Air Canada this week and losing their luggage. And they still don't have their luggage. They left on Monday. They've lost the luggage. They don't know where it is. It's in thousands, tens of thousands of luggage all over Pearson. They can't find anybody's luggage. Just chaos. I was so grateful. 1966 or not, looking for an emergency landing strip or not. I was so grateful just to be able to say, Lord, you've moved me into a higher place where I'm not, I'm not dependent on those people and I can get to where you've called me to go and pray in the Holy Ghost as I go and not be bound by the airlines. I'm just so grateful. Now, listen, gratefulness is important, but, but, but you've got to watch your attitude because sometimes you're so grateful you almost become a worm. I am so grateful, but balance the gratefulness with because of who he's made me to be, I have a right to something that I wasn't thinking that way. And he said, because you don't think that way, I can't get things over to you. Now, listen to me. If you think that you're, a, you're not worthy, you're going to miss things. I'm guilty of that. I bet you some of you are too. But what saved me? It wasn't the fact that I passed test number one. I failed test number one. What saved me is because I passed test number two. I can fail test one, but pass test two and still pass the whole thing. Because I pray a lot in the Holy Ghost. So because I pray in the Holy Ghost, I'm sick. I am not going anywhere but my pillow. And I heard him say, get up and drive. See, that's the leading of the spirit, despite logical, rational thought. And with a fever, I'm driving in the, nar- in the night to, to over the border. But the Holy Ghost said, go. Why? Because uh, he told me after it, he said, I wasn't going to call you and tell you I'm selling the plane. Because you don't want that plane. You want this other plane. Four years from now. And then he said, I've already found my new plane. I'm putting an offer on it next week. And I'm selling this plane next week. He said, by the time I come up to your church at the end of July, this plane's gone. He said, I wasn't planning on telling you. I would have come up July 30th. He's coming up here at the end of this month for a conference with us. He said, it would have been gone. I would have told you then. I didn't even know you were wanting it. I said, I didn't want it. I didn't even know about it. But thank God I listened to the Holy Ghost and went down to North Carolina. Because if I'd missed that trip, I would have missed this. Now, I think, but Lord, why didn't you tell me in my bed? Son, there's a new plane. Get up. It's really important. You're going to miss a blessing of hundreds of thousands of dollars of seed. Get up and drive. He didn't say all that, did he? He just said, get up and drive. Because he shouldn't have to explain himself to me. He shouldn't have to bait me with a blessing for me to obey. It should just be I obey because he said so. With nothing else attached other than the joy of obedience. He don't tell you all the details. He just tells you something. You better obey. Now, I don't think I'm worthy. I failed that. I'm changing that. Not narcissism, not pride and arrogance, but because of who he's made me, I have a right to something better than a junk heap. But thank God for Ziglag. 
because without it, we wouldn't be in Hebron. Thank God for the little Cessna 172 because I have to train in that. I can't train in this plane. They told me this is a hot rod plane. It's got a low wing. He said, if you stall this plane, you have to pull the parachute because if you stall this plane, 99% of pilots die. This is a fast plane. You can't stall a fast plane and recover. But my little junkie, that thing is so slow. And that's got a high wing. You can stall that thing, cut the engine, careen toward the earth, and easily pull out of it. And he said, by the way, next time you come, we're going to stall the engine and fall toward the earth. I want you to see what it feels like. I said, I'm not coming. He said, oh, no, you got to know how to do it. I want you to feel what it feels like to be out of control. He said, in fact, I'm going to blindfold you. I said, what? He said, I'm going to blindfold you. And I'm going to let it go all crazy directions. And then you're not going to know up, down, left, right, or nothing. I'm going to take the blindfold off. I'm going to say, recover. I said, oh, Jesus, help us. I said, are you sure the plane can handle it? He goes, oh, this is an old, this is an old girl, but she can handle it. Now, you can't do that on this plane. You'll die. But you can do that on the other plane. So why did God give me the other plane? Because he knows I've got to be trained. But he knows he doesn't want me flying at that ridiculous speed and that potential death trap for long periods of time because it's actually not safe. So what does God do? I've got something better for you. But problem with Craig is he don't think he's worthy of it. But you know what? I can save him because he prays a lot. So now that he prays a lot, he doesn't even know it's in my plan because he won't listen to me because he doesn't think he's worthy. Why did God not tell me? Because I would have rejected it. But if he just pray enough, he at least can hear me say, get up and drive. He's not that stupid. He can hear that. And he's going to be obedient to me. And then when I'm there, I can get him the next thing. Offer to buy the And then he's going to argue with me. I'm going to talk to him in the hotel room. You deserve better. I do? Yeah, because you don't look at yourself right. I've made you something in the spirit, but you just look at yourself like a worm. Are you listening? But now your hand of faith has to reach out. Because it takes faith to pay for this thing without taking offerings. But I'm believing God for partners. I'm believing God for extra money. And God said, I'll touch the right hearts. You don't ask the people, let me deal with it. You don't take any offerings. I'll pay for it for you. But I've made you worthy of it. Because the next one's coming and you're worthy of that one too. But you've got to renew your mind to what you're worthy of. Some of you ladies, you need to, I'm telling you, you need to stretch your faith for your purses. You need to stretch your faith for the cars you drive. You need to stretch your faith. I don't mean rob from God to buy yourself a nice car. Well, I'm not going to tithe to buy myself a Mercedes. No, you honor God, but you start to realize God's made you worthy. If you've got a broken down Chevy, believe for a new Chevy. If you're in a basement apartment, believe for a main floor apartment. If you've got a condo, but you want a a townhouse, believe for a townhouse. Whatever your measure is, but believe that God has made you worthy of something better than what you've got. Because that's the biggest problem, Jen. I didn't, honestly, I swear to you, I thought, I'm not worthy of this. Who am I? I'm nobody. Why would you bless me like that? I don't deserve that. That's the problem. Wrong thinking. But because I pray a lot, he could still save me. If I didn't pray and I have that wrong thinking, I'd, I'd, be, in the, I'd be in the dump heap. Right, yeah, right, right. But I've still got to reach out my hand and say, now that he shows me, I've got to believe it in faith. Yes. If I don't understand faith, I can't. Are you with me? Yes. Praise God. Yes. And I'm just helping you. I'm giving you ingredients to success. I've got to sow. And the ministry has to sow. And so we do so. But recently the Lord told me, send this money. And it was more than what I wanted to send. He said, send it to this minister. 
from your, from your uh, he's a Canadian office, so it's a charity, charity, it's legal. But he said, he didn't come preach for us, nothing. He's ascended. I said, Lord, okay. See, that's seed. Now, because of that seed, God can open harvest for hundreds of thousands of dollars of blessing. Then he's been telling me, because I'm also flying this, so that's a personal thing. He said, I want you to sow this. I want you to sow that. This year, I've sown more than I think I've ever sown in my entire life. And it's a stretch on me. Because on top of all that, I'm believing for a pool. I'm believing for this. I've got so much going on. But he keeps asking me to sow. Why? Because he wants to bless. He wants to bless me, Greg. He can't bless me if I'm a cheapskate. Because your seed opens the door to your harvest. People don't understand that. They think I'm after their money. I want them to be blessed. Paul said, I'm not after the gift. I want the fruit to abound. I want you to be blessed. And they don't give me names. I don't want to know names. But I just ask for a few amounts from the accounting department. Just give me an idea what people sow. Don't tell me who. I was shocked at how many $50, $100, $150 for the special annual project. I was shocked at how many. Thank God for the few generous ones whose honor makes up for the rest of you riffraff. And you need to hear it because some of you are cheapskates. And I don't care what's going on in your life. If you live in this country and you pay taxes in this country and you have a normal existence and drive a normal car and live in a normal apartment or something in this country, not in India, not in Liberia, in this country, $50 is not sacrificial seed. It's not. $100 when we're saying one or two times a year, honor God. In addition to your offerings, your tithes and offerings, that is a joke. But you know what? It don't matter. It doesn't matter, Jenny. You know why it doesn't matter? Because God touches the hearts of the ones who he know will obey. And the generous make up for the cheap. And we put it all together. And by next Sunday when I make the announcement, we will at least have the 220 if not higher. Because God always comes through. I'm not attacking you because I'm mad at you. I don't even know who you are because I refuse to look at names. It would be unwise for a pastor to look at names. Because then there's favoritism. And then there's, and then there's bad things that happen. I don't want to know who gave what. But I'm telling you something. I'm trying to help you. The money's going to come anyway. I'm not manipulating you. What I'm trying to say is, you cheapskates that don't understand about honor and giving, you're going to stay in your squalor for the rest of your life. Because the only way out is to have a spirit of generosity and pray in the Holy Ghost so he can tell you what to sow. Reach out the hand of faith like Sariah did. If you don't have it, believe for it and sow. Because that seed will cause angels to go and move and rearrange. And before you know it, like Sariah, you're getting a new job. And you're making more in one day than you made in seven days. And yet they whine in my office. I don't know why this doesn't work. I don't know why this doesn't work. Because you're cheap. You hear it. You watch me live it. But you won't do it. Because you're carnal. And sometimes pastors got to, that's why there's a rod of correction and and there is a hook. I am not being hard on you. I am teaching you. I want you to be blessed for you. Not just for the kingdom. For you. 
I want you to drive the nice thing, live in the nice thing, wear the nice thing. I want people to go, wow, you're blessed. Yes, I'm blessed because my God has blessed me. I'm not after the blessing. I'm after my God. But my God blesses me. But you know what you don't know about me? I'm one of those generous people you'll ever meet. That's what I want you to say. There were children under 12 years old in this church out of their piggy banks that gave more than some families who I know make six figures. Children! That should not be found at Promise of Life Church. And if this keeps going, you're going to delay the glory center. You will. Your carnality will do it. You've got to start thinking right about money. Money is a tool. Money is not your God. Money is not your goal. Money is a tool. It is a tool to get you into the blessings and into the increase. Get generous. I don't know how. Well, then when you're in the next Tim Hortons, tell the lady, I want to buy whatever they bought behind me. I want to buy. And just when they ask, say, Jesus loves you. Up to, you don't know what they're going to order, but up to X. That happened to me a little while ago. The lady didn't say Jesus loves you. You're some stranger. The lady said to the window, she said, that person in the white Jetta, Volkswagen Jetta, uh, they just said they want to buy whatever you buy up to a max of $10. (laughs) I'm going to make sure I spend all the $10. Because all I wanted was a tea, but now I'm going to get a sandwich and a cookie and a whole baby. She already paid for it. I'm not going to give it to Tim Hortons. I'm going to take it. And I thought to myself, here's a stranger. So generous. I don't think they knew who I was. They never said there was no message given. I said, did they say anything? No. Sinners believe in paying it forward. Believers believe in seed. Seed is far more powerful than paying it forward. You need to start practicing generosity in small areas. When you got the cheap meat and it's $2 more, then just stretch yourself and say, Father, I'm believing for the extra and get that better meat, healthier meat for you. When you say, Lord, five bucks. You might say, two bucks. Start with two bucks. Up to a max of $2. Tell them Jesus loves them. I'm telling you, you got to start thinking differently about money or you'll always stay small. Jenny, I'm not upset with people. I hope they understand my heart. God's going to answer the need anyway. The money for the special on your project is going to come anyway. Whether you give it or not, it's going to come because of my faith and the faith of my leaders and staff and the faith of this congregation because I know all of you are believing with me or most of you are believing with me. It's going to come. I'm not after your money. I'm trying to teach you. If you want more, God, to bless you. You've got to start sowing. You've got to pray in the Holy Ghost so you know what he's got for you. You've got to understand faith so you can pull it into this realm. And very important, you've got to change the way your stupid brain thinks that you are not worthy, that you are some kind of a worm, that it's it's just not for you. God has made you somebody and you deserve better. You have a right to better. I didn't know I had a right to better. 
I was prepared to take the baby thing for four years. And every time I fly, look for an emergency landing strip. I was prepared. I set my heart to it. No complaining. Just grateful that I was able to enter into this new ministry. But God saw more than I did, bigger than I did, and he's bigger than me. And he said, you have a right to something better because I've made you someone. You don't even believe it. You would reject it if I told you. So I didn't tell you. I asked him this morning, why didn't you tell me so I could have used my faith for this plane before? And he answered me. He said, I didn't tell you because you would have rejected it because you don't think right. You think you're a worm. You're a big preacher and you have big words and you're preaching, but in your heart, you still think you're not worthy of it. You think small son and you would have aborted it with your confession. So I didn't tell you nothing because I didn't want to ruin it. I didn't want you to ruin it. I just told you where to go. And then at the moment of knowledge, I said, offer, put an offer. Oh my God. I'm learning a lot, Robert. I'm learning that Jesus loves me a lot more than I thought he did. That he thinks I'm worthy of better than I thought I even think I'm worthy of. But I've got to pray. I've got to sow. And I've got to know faith. If all of these ingredients are going to come together and work. Are you with me? It's not about the aviation. I'm using that as an example. Because it was a shining lesson to me this week at how small I think. I passed the test of generosity. Some of you got to pass that test. You're failing it. You can forget it. You'll stay in your squalor. Seed is the only way out of to get your harvest. I passed that test. I passed the faith test. And I passed the prayer test. But I failed miserably the who I am in Christ test. Because he's made me something. I have a right. And I didn't even know I had that right. And if he had offered me the plate, I would have said, I don't deserve it, Lord, not me. And my words would have canceled that deal. Are you listening to me? I'm not trying to create greed money-minded covetousness. I'm trying to let you know, you, you be grateful for what you got. Don't keep up with the Joneses. But if you desire something, and if the Holy Ghost especially reveals to your heart, the Father has prepared this for you because he loves you. Amen. Don't think it's not for me. I don't deserve it. Say, Lord, I don't, I don't deserve it from one perspective, but you've made me. Somebody that is bigger than what I deserve to be. And I have a right to your blessings. And I'm a generous person. And I'm a faith person. I'm a being led by the spirit person. I have a right to it. I'm going to walk in this. I receive it by faith. Lord, I may not deserve it, but I take it. I take it. I take it. Hallelujah. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help. It may not look much to you. But if you be in the other one, you'll be grateful. Now I can get everywhere twice as fast. I got all the digital equipment to prepare me for the next phase. I got an emergency parachute if I need it. Nobody's ever died, ever, flying that plane. It's the safest plane made by human hands on the planet. And I know you love me so much, you would like me to be in a safe plane. And I'm not even asking you for any money. I'm just telling you, God told me, son, start thinking better. Good. You have a, I've, been, I've made you. Yes. You have a right yes, to better. Yes, we do. Yes, the biggest challenge for me is not faith, prayer, or sowing. No. It's thinking that right. I actually have a right to something because my natural is I'm just a little bit more. Do you know what I mean? I'm just a little bit more like that. I think that in some ways that's a good way to be because it keeps you from becoming proud. 
But in another way, it's a bad, it's a bad thing to be because it will rob you of what he's planned for you. Are you with me? And so I'll end with this statement. I had something else, but I'll share it next week. I'll end with this statement. Uh, how do you know if you really deserve it or not? Because some people get in the ditch and now everything is Louis Vuitton and, and, and Dolce Gabbana and this and everything is just a, a money racket and a keep up with the Joneses. And then they take the sermon and they'll, they'll twist it. Well, I, I deserve it. God's made me. So then they run themselves in debt. And they stop being generous with God's plan and his kingdom because they're funding their greed. How do you tell the difference between whether you really should have it because you're worthy of it and when you've crossed the line? You know how you tell the difference? It's very simple. Pray in tongues. Pray in the Holy Ghost. You see, my, my shoe, my Louis Vuitton shoe, I would never pay this much for a pair of shoes in my life. But I heard the Holy, because you could listen. I heard the Holy, because Pastor Michael came and he said, Pastor Craig, your shoes are awful. And then the next year he said, I I don't mean to be mean to you, but your shoes are disgusting. Could you please get a better pair of shoes? Pastor Michael looked at it. I said, I'm fine. Leave me alone. So then he came up once and he said, I'm taking, you're too cheap. So he took me to Harry Rosen and he bought me a pair of $400 shoes. I I wore those shoes for a while. Then after a while he said, those shoes are gross. Buy another pair of shoes. I just would not buy myself shoes. I just wouldn't. And then, I heard, and then I'm praying and I say, I'm, t- I'm trying to help you. I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, I want you to buy a nice pair of shoes. I said, why? Because of him? Because of him? I don't even like him. He's weird with the handkerchief. No, we love Pastor McKenna. He is so sweet. I said, because of him? And he goes, no, because of me. Well, I said, what do you mean because of you? He said, you're worthy of something better. Than $79.99 from Aldo. Now, there's nothing wrong with $79.99. I've been wearing $79.99 from Aldo my entire life. And there's nothing wrong with it. And I still wear. I still get the on sale $69.99. I still wear them. I love them. Sometimes they're more comfortable. Sometimes the cheapest are the best. In, in terms of comfort, but they look hideous, but they're comfortable. But I heard the Holy Ghost say, he said, son, do you remember when you were traveling years ago and you would get there exhausted and you'd have headaches and you'd be exhausted. You had to preach that night. You could barely get up to the pulpit. And I said, the next time I want you to take business class so you can sleep on the way. I said, I'm not worthy of that. And he said, how are you going to believe me for a multi-million dollar building if you can't believe me for a business class ticket, son? And it took every bit of faith I had and guilt. I had to put that down so that I could sleep on a plane so when I get off to preach, I'm not a basket case. But it took everything I had. And the Lord said, you remember that? I can't get you into more if you're going to think cheap. He said, now, there's nothing wrong with the shoes, the 69, 59. You always even look for 49.99. He said, there's nothing wrong with that. But he said, I do want you to have something nice because I've made you worthy of something better. And I want you to spend $1,600 on a pair. I said, I bind that in Jesus' name. I can buy 19 pairs of all those shoes and last me till the rapture. I said, the rapture, Jenny. The rapture. It's not about the money. It's about my thought process. And I said, but I, but I, but I can't, but I can't, I can't afford it. I argued with God. He's trying to bless me and I'm arguing with him because I don't think right. I said, I can't afford it. He said, ask me. This is really good. Yes. Ask you. 
Ask me for the Louis Vuitton shoes. I can afford it. See, because I'm used to, I have to pay for everything. I said, Lord, okay, I don't understand all this. I don't think this is a good investment of money. It's wrong thinking. I said, Father, I ask you, since you seem to want me to have something fancy, but, but the Bible says, blessed are the feet of those that bring the gospel. So, and, and he gave me that scripture. He said, you're a preacher. You should have nice shoes because you're bringing the gospel. I said, Lord, between you and Lakedic, I can't seem to escape it. And so I said, Father, I am not spending the money. I won't do it. It's not, a, I, I, I just, I can't, I can't swallow it. It's not a good investment of money. I could bless the poor. Sure. And he said, and Judah said the same thing. You look at it. Jesus said the same thing. He said, don't think wrong about money, son. He said, you don't have to pay for it. I'll pay for it. Just ask me. So I said, Father, I ask you for, for a pair of Louis. If it be thy will. He said, that's not a faith prayer. <laughs> so I went back and I said, I claim it in Jesus' name. You know, somebody came up, handed me a check and said, God told me to bless you to buy a pair of shoes. And it was more than what I needed for the Louis Vuitton. And it's not about Louis Vuitton or Aldo. That is not the point. It's a point of God was trying to get me to realize I've made you something. There's nothing wrong with deals and, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not attacking you. But, he, but my mindset was too small. And I didn't think I'm worthy of anything other than the basic things. And he was trying to say, I'm trying to get you into planes. I'm trying to get you into a glory center. I'm trying to get you into multi-million dollar buildings. I can't get you into the ministry of that if personally you are so pathetic in your thinking. So you don't even have to pay for it. I'll pay for it. Just ask me. And even that I fought him on because I don't think I'm worthy. Well, I'm changing. I'm not going in the ditch, believe me. I still half the time don't think I'm worthy. But I realize I can just ask God, my Father will provide things if they're authored of the Spirit. I don't just go buy stuff whenever I want. He authors it. He authored, he authored that. He authored it. He authored it. He authored it. And sometimes he doesn't want things because they are a waste of money. I went to go buy the shirt. It was $600. I like the shirt. Or it said, don't buy that. Don't buy that. Buy that one there. $69.99. And I said, oh, thank God. Lord, you do shop in the $69 category. I thought you were only highfalutin. No, because there's certain things that are stupid. And there's other things that are not. Be led by the Spirit. And if you can't afford it, but he's leading you, ask him. He will provide it. Reach out in faith and ask him. Sow seeds. Be generous. Be generous so that he can bring a harvest back. And most importantly, stop thinking you're so not worthy of anything. He loves you. He has prepared a good thing for your future. Father, I thank you, Lord. I could go on for the next two hours. I I could go on for the next four hours. But Lord, I'm going to end it because the barbecue is hot and our stomachs are empty. And we must move on into the perfect will of God. And the perfect will of God is to eat. So Jesus, I thank you. As we, as we say grace and end this service, Lord, I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I'm not trying to think people think I'm highfalutin because believe me, Father, you and I know that I don't think that way. I'm not an arrogant person. I'm not a covetous person. But you're trying to teach me to think 
more abundantly and to realize that I'm worth more than just the bottom rung of the totem pole because you've made me in your image a king and a priest and you've made all of them the same way. And if I just be let the Holy Ghost author my purchases, if I can't afford it, I ask you, you'll pay for it. And if I can't afford it, Lord, I still got to be led by the Spirit and not by my greed, not by my keeping up with the Joneses, not by my covetousness. Lord, I'm going to be led by the Spirit. But I am going to change the way I think that because you've made me right, I'm a king. I have a right to, I have a right to good things. Because the Holy Ghost said, the Father's prepared good things for you. I want to show them to you. Pray in the Holy Ghost so I can lead you in your buying. I can lead you in your purchasing. And then use faith so I can bring the money to you. And be generous and sow seed because if you don't sow, I can't bless you. But think right and think big. Oh, I give you praise. In Jesus' name. I forget the name of the golfer. What's the name of that famous, famous golfer? He's old now. Greg Norman, I think it was. Or what's the other one? Arnold Palmer. Yes, it was Arnold Palmer. Those two guys, they're really old right now. But anyway, Arnold Palmer, I'll end with the story. Uh, the oil sheik came. It's a true story. Played golf with him. You know, pays a million dollars or whatever it is, just have a private thing. Had a great time. You know, he's wearing his Saudi Arabia red thing, you know. Have a great time. They do the golf. At the end of it, he already had paid him for his time. And he says, I want to be kind to you. This is a Muslim. I want to be kind to you. What can I give you? Now the farmer says, well, he's holding his, his third eye, well, three wood or whatever he was holding. And he said, uh, I don't know, maybe another club. He said, okay, I'll have it sent to you. So they say goodbye. He gets on his private jet, flies back to Saudi Arabia. Three weeks later, a manila envelope comes in the mail to his house. He opens it up. There's a note from the sheik. Here's your club. He didn't buy him a club. He bought him an entire golf club resort. He thought he meant give me a golf club resort. But he just meant give me a putter. And it was the title deed to a multi-million dollar golf club. He went out and bought a golf club. A club. A, a whole thing. 18 holes. But the multi-millionaire, Norman or whatever his name was, Arnold Palmer, Arnold Palmer, he's very rich in his own right. But he's still thinking small. He's thinking a putter. But the sheik, because he rolls in billions, not millions. He's thinking when he hears club, he thinks, I'll buy you 18 holes. That's the difference. That's the difference. Yes, sir. I'm Arnold Palmer. I'm asking God for a club and God wants to give me a resort because he's richer than the Muslim sheik. But he can't give it to me if I reject it because I think wrong. Start understanding you are precious and if you're led by the Spirit, you can have anything God shows you. Only if you're led. You can't have anything your flesh wants. You can't have anything your greed wants. But if you're led by the Spirit, he'll give you anything that he leads you because he's prepared things for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, Lord, I know you're pleased with it today. I don't know if they're all pleased with it, but I know you're pleased with it. And if they'll just keep coming, Lord, you're going to lead them into increase. That's right. In Jesus' name.